staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What's happening right now as a large group of people, they call it a caravan. And in that caravan, you have some very bad people. You have some very bad people. And we can't let that happen to our country. We can decide what kind of country you want to be. Do you want to be the country of people that run you up and down the hall and spit on you? Or do you want to be a country of, uh, of, of, of Republicans who put good judges on the court that will stand up to, to the enemies of this country? I'm talking to a lot of your people, and they're going to form a wall, different kind of a wall, until we get the other one built. We need a wall built fast. And now, Stacey Washington. Whoa. Welcome back to the program. Really great um fantastic first hour of the show thank you so much to everyone who called in and again if you're just tuning in for the first time since last week thank you so much for uh giving last week during Sherathon. i'm still geeking out about it i'm i don't mind telling you that um i was i was i was concerned i was like what can happen here what can happen god is good he he showed up and showed out and over two million dollars raised during fall Sherathon. that points to uh, the quality of programming here and the quality of the listening audience and that so many people across the country, 800 communities, uh, over 180 stations, 32 states, we are grateful. We are grateful to you for your listening, for your participation, and also to our, our smaller audience, which is the streaming, um, which is still, we still love all those people there as well. It's just so good to be back and um, kind of flying high off of the luncheon I attended where uh, Pastor Timmy Zell was speaking to us. It was a really, really great uh, opportunity for me to get to hear from him. And now I want to pivot over to some of our news of the day topics. So one of the things that I found fascinating was this, it was kind of a long range interview with Louis Gohmert. And um, he was talking about the caravans and all of that. But first, I want you to hear this audio about how Bangladeshis have infiltrated the migrant horde. And I'm calling it the migrant horde. I I want you guys to think about this. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure. I got to say, back when I used to watch Game of Thrones, before I realized just how low they were willing to go for, you know, on, on the altar of indecency and really just the most vulgar of things to be visualized on screen. So this is in season one or season two, and you've got... Uh, the, the dragon chick, the blonde, and she's the queen of dragons and she's trying to find her way. And they get to this really prosperous city that has walls all around it. The walls are actually multi-story and it's an impenetrable fortress. And in order to get in, you have to have an appointment with some inside, someone inside. And that person has to vouch for you. And so they get there. And of course, because she's the queen of dragons, she's going to get to go inside. But everyone that's marching with her cannot make it inside the gates. And so it was kind of like this Hollywood... It's, it's the kind of thing Hollywood does really well, actually, which is they'll take an issue of the day like illegal immigration and they'll create a euphemism for it. But it's a visual euphemism, if you will. And it's this this thing, um, this city, and it's gorgeous on the inside and it's posh and it's there's wealth and there's food and there's money and there's abundance. And it's just fantastic. And it's sitting in the middle of what looks like a, a desert. And so all around it, it's just nothing but wasteland. And these visual cues are meant to, in, in the eyes of 
billions of people around the world, but specifically in the minds of Americans who are the primary consumers of this content out of Hollywood, and this is on HBO, you're meant to look at that city and think, how dare you? How dare you have walls around your city? How dare you try to keep your abundance to yourself? It, that is a nonsensical thought, but it is the natural reaction when you see the way they painted the people who were trying to get into the city. They're poor, they're hungry, but they're good people. They're worthy people. And no one said anybody's not worthy. This is just a matter of, do you, do you have citizenship here or not? So this picture that's painted in this Hollywood film, it's a TV series and it, has, it was wildly popular, even with Christians, especially those first couple of seasons before it got supremely vulgar. And the idea is everyone on the inside is a privileged, bigoted, you know, like the worst kind of people. There might be someone good in there, but for the most part, everyone in there should just be led out and blindfolded and shot because they're all just reprehensible, selfish, bigoted, xenophobic people who just want to keep everything good to themselves and make everyone else on the outside starve women and children and good people. That is meant to be a euphemism for America. We're the walled city. We have all the goodies that we won't share with anyone else. And the people on the outside are the refugees, illegal immigrants, anybody who doesn't live in America who wants to. Never mind the fact that if a city has walls and is contained within a certain number of square miles or whatever your metric is, it means that there's a certain finite number of resources. There's a finite amount of space. And we have that same thing going on here. Now, I'm the same person who told you, and I'll tell you again, that we have enough room in this country to fit, uh, you know, we could fit a billion people in this country. We have enough land. We have enough resources. But it's not about what can fit here. It's about how we can bring people in and assimilate them as they arrive so that we maintain the identity of America. And if that's not something that you can understand, look at it this way in the reverse. Let's take Great Britain over there, the island of Great Britain. Let's say, and let's not count any of their other outstanding territories, just the island of Great Britain. Let's think about it this way. Let's take, I don't know, 100 million Americans. First, let me Google what the population of Great Britain is. This is on the fly, y'all. Great Britain population. We'll see what the population of Great Britain is. Ah, here it is. It says they have a land mass of 209. Okay, so Great Britain's population is 63.79 million. So let's say we took the entire population of Texas, okay? Let's try that. Population of Texas. Let's say we took the population of Texas, which is 28.3 million, but they are our most rabid citizens. They are the most, uh, like, if, if America was a country and every one of the states was a type of virus, the most potent virus would be the Texas virus, okay? So just let's keep that in the back of our mind. So let's say we took, they have 63.79 million. Oh, this comparison works great. 28.3 million. So roughly 30 million. This is 2017 numbers. So that's about 50% of the population of Great Britain. Now, the reason I'm taking these, these numbers and these proportions is because 179 million people who live in South America have said if they could, they would live in America. The population of America is 320 million, give or take. So that's more than half of our population that these, these individuals want to come to us. But let's just, just bear with me here. Roughly speaking, if we took the entire population of Texas, everybody, and they all immigrated en masse, not 
in normal immigration channels, meaning a few thousand at a time over decades or, you know, it would it would take more than decades to get them all there. But anyway, um, if we just drop them all off in Great Britain, how long would Great Britain be Great Britain? At what point using years would Great Britain cease to be Great Britain and become Britain or what do we call we call certain parts of the Northeast New England, Old England, in other words, another United State. I don't care that it's not contiguous to this country. We also have Hawaii. I mean, we have Guam. We have we have plenty of places that aren't contiguous to our nation, Alaska, that are still totally American. You're telling me, because I, I know liberals will never answer this question, but for those of us who deal in logic, this is pretty easy to see the demonstration that those Texans would infiltrate Great Britain and they'd take that island over at 50% of the population added in, they would quickly turn Great Britain into another area of the United States. Not just because they're the most virulent form of Americanism that you can accept, but because Texans would immediately open up barbecue joints. They would immediately take over areas of the cities, the major cities. They would develop areas of farmland. They would turn the moors into developments. They would start ranching and doing all kinds of things that Texans do. They would open up cowboy shops, boot shops, gun shops. They would immediately start voting for uh, gun rights, the Bill of Rights. They would want a constitution. They would do away with the monarchy. How long do you think Great Britain would last if we shipped in 30 million Texans? I'm going to say it wouldn't even take those Texans five years. I would say five years after the arrival of 30 million Texans, Great Britain would be offering up its sovereignty to the United States and the Brits would be dive bombing out of there. They would be going to uh, to Sweden. They'd be going to Switzerland. They would be going to Australia. They would even be going to, uh, you know, wherever they could get to Scotland. They would be dive bombing out of there because the presence of so many rabid Americans rapidly converting everything that they know, all of their British culture, basically pushing it to the side and, and putting forward their American culture. It would be an overwhelming force, something that what all of us with common sense like to call an invasion. 30 million Texans is an invasion, especially if Great Britain didn't invite the 30 million Texans. So the analogy rings true. There is no amount of illegal immigration that can be tolerated. That's number one. And number two, when we are faced with the inevitability of the radical departure from the current culture, which is what illegal immigration represents. It is bringing in people who are not bringing their culture here to assimilate. They're bringing their culture here so that they can take from the federal government. They can take jobs from citizens. They can depress wages. They can access our health services. They can access our public school systems, which are free. They can demand in-state tuition in colleges and universities. And all the while they're flying the Mexican, Guatemalan, Honduran flag, basically saying, yeah, I'm here and I'm taking from you. I'm sitting at your table. I'm eating along with your kids. You're taking care of me, but I'm still from Honduras. I'm still from Guatemala. I'm still Mexican. Why should we tolerate that? And I know I am speaking to some very specific people in this audience right now. And you think, well, you know, that's not a God-fearing position to take. 
God says to welcome the foreigner within your borders. God also said that we are to be separate, sovereign nation states. He said a lot of things. If you just take one thing that the Bible says and you just hold on to that to the exclusion of all others, that's not proper biblical interpretation. That is not wisdom. That is not what you should be doing. God never condones law breaking. He's never about us saying, you know what? That law is just not quite like for me. So the seven to 10,000 people who are approaching our border, who are saying, you know, we, we need to, um, we need to get here and we need to, they're saying, se se puede, we, we can do it or yes, we can. And they're coming here no matter what we say. Geraldo Rivera over at Fox News was like, well, the thing is, if you say that we, you know, with, that what are you going to do? Shoot them? Well, I don't know. What do you do if someone invades? If you have a household with 10 people in it, if you have eight kids and you and your husband and you come home and there's 40 people at your house, what do you call that? They're at your house. They're inside your place. What, what are you going to do exactly? Well, you're probably going to call the police. But let's say you're home with your family members and you see a bunch of people roll up and they get out and start unpacking stuff. And one of you goes out and says, what are you doing? And we were taking this property over. You're going to go back inside the house, shut all the doors, call 911, and then you're going to start checking. Is everything loaded? Because they look like they're coming in. What if they pull up and they've got machetes, guns, knives, et cetera, and they roll up, you know, 30 deep in three or four vans and they start getting out and you see that they're armed. What are you going to do? Go out there and tell them that we need to be kind to the stranger and foreigner within our land? Are you going to go in the house and shut the door and dial 911 and start locking on? What are you going to do? I mean, this is real talk. This isn't, it's not time to, to get flowers and start, you know, these people love their ancestors and they're just good people. When someone shows up at your door and they plan to forcibly enter, do you say how nice their ancestors were or do you defend? So this isn't about me wanting to shoot anybody or wanting any violence or anything like that. But what, it, what does it take to knock people out of this stupor that they're in where People are actually defending these seven to 10,000 migrants who have ISIS members among them, who have Bangladeshis among them, who have all of the worst kinds of people who want to do you and me harm among them. What does it take for you to wake up and smell the mashugana and actually understand that it's an invasion? I can't help you. If you can't get it, you need to just sit down and stop talking about stuff that doesn't matter to this conversation. All right, when we get back, we're going to actually get to the audio I keep promising you and more. Stay right there. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare, call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. 
That's star star three four five. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Most Christians understand that the problems facing America are not going to be solved in Washington. But it's noteworthy when a sitting U.S. senator says that politics can't solve our political problems. That was the title of a commentary by Senator Ben Sass. He believes that the tribalism in our nation has a deeper source and is tied to loneliness in America. We are relational beings and want to be in tribes. And he observes that the traditional tribes that have sustained humans for millennia are simultaneously in collapse. Those would be family, friendships, and communities of worship. At the core of this is loneliness in America. This is not a new problem. A quarter century ago, I wrote a book with the title, Signs of Warning, Signs of Hope. One of the chapters dealt with a crisis of loneliness. A book we often quote on our radio program is Bowling Alone, written by Harvard social scientist Robert Putnam. He says we no longer are involved in community. We often move and have few friends. And we have few shared projects and belong to fewer civic groups. On the other hand, we don't want to be left out. We don't want to feel like the same isolation we felt at the edge of the cafeteria or as the last kid picked for kickball. So we yearn for a group, often a political ideology, on the basis of our intimate connections. Our cable news tribes offer a common experience. Now, to reverse these trends, we need to read his new book, Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal. In his commentary, he shares how he and his wife put down roots in a small community and became friends with people from every race and income bracket. We must find ways to replenish the social capital and reverse the tribal conflict in our culture. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From GraceWorks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13, opens October 26th, IndivisibleMovie.com. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You should do, John, go into the middle of the caravan, take your cameras and search. Okay? Search. No, no. Take your, John, take your camera, go into the middle and search. You're going to find MS-13, you're going to find Middle Eastern, you're going to find everything. And guess what? We're not allowing them in our country. Um, yeah, so that was President Trump, and he was on his way to Marine One, and the reporters were yelling out questions, and so he was like, yeah, let me just turn around right here right quick and answer a couple questions. And people don't want to hear it. Those reporters don't want to hear it. We actually have some American reporters who are embedded with the caravan, and some of them are telling the truth, you know, but, but for the majority of them, they just want to get those photographs of kids sleeping on trash bags and things like that, and it's terrible, but are you telling me that the, the proper response to having poverty in your own country is to just say, you know what, I'm just going to go illegally immigrate to somebody else's country. We already send billions of dollars in U.S. aid to these countries. I, I think President Trump should cut the aid off right now because the caravan is moving through Mexico. They have crossed the border. They had that little photo op where they showed the police keeping the 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 people out, but all the other ones who were on rafts just crossed the river over further down. It's not like they actually turned anybody away. Now they're in Mexico. The other question is a thousand miles away from America and they're going to get here before the midterm election. You tell me when an American on foot with children or not an American, a human being on foot with children ever crossed a thousand miles in less than two weeks. That's because there are buses 
They're only walking when the cameras are rolling. Otherwise, the buses are helping them through. You'd walk your legs down to stump if you tried to do that in a thousand, a thousand miles in two weeks. I mean, come on. Who are we not? Do we not have Google Maps? Do we not have the ability to see? Have you ever done that before? Maybe if you're in the city. I did it when I was in New York a bunch of times. I'm there for work and I'm going from one place to another and I can either Uber there, which you can always get an Uber in New York. I can take a taxi cab, always get a taxi cab. Um, But then, you know, I can walk. So depending on what kind of shoes I'm wearing, you know, if I brought an extra pair of shoes for walking, then I just throw those on, throw the other shoes in my bag and I'll walk. And sometimes it would say 25 minutes by car. This is on, you know, the map app on your phone, 25 minutes by car. But if you click the little walking icon, it would say you can get there in 12 minutes. It's a half a mile. And it assumes you're not walking, you know, you're not speed walking like you have on workout clothes. It assumes you're walking in heavy traffic on the sidewalks, other walkers, et cetera, et cetera. And so there have been many times where I look at that. I'm like, well, it take me 25 minutes to go a half a mile. And if you calculate that out on a taxi cab ride or an Uber, wow, that's going to cost me some money when I could just walk. So you throw your bag over your shoulder. You know, even if you have on some cute shoes that aren't exactly walker friendly, you just walk anyway. I've done that many times in DC. Also walking around the Capitol, you look and see what the Uber will be, especially the cost. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to walk. But again, you ain't walking a thousand miles especially not with small children and you don't have any nourishment or anything and you don't have anything with you but something in a backpack, you ain't walking a thousand miles in two weeks. You're just not going to do it. I don't care. Even Lance Armstrong would laugh at that. The most physically fit athletes would say, that's not doable. I mean, we're human beings for goodness sakes. So Louis Gohmert did this long-ranging interview that I mentioned a bit ago. And he says, you know, the caravan's going to find out that we have a very strong president. It's clip two. All of these people trying to force their way in, it's called an invasion. And thank God we have a president that will stand up to an invasion like this. But under our Constitution, a governor can call out military troops to stop an invasion. But fortunately, uh, Governor Abbott won't have to because the president's going to take care of that. And I've heard people on TV, so-called experts, say, well, you can't use the military because of posse comitatus. Look, that uh, normally prevents a military from being used against its own citizens. It has nothing to do with uh, using the military to stop an invasion from another country. Hmm. So uh, he mentioned Posse Comitatus, which is the common law or statute law authority of a county sheriff or other law officer to conscript any able-bodied man to assist him in keeping the peace or to pursue and arrest a felon similar to the concept of hue and cry. Um, why would he mention that? Because a lot of the, the ranchers on the border are armed and it's their property that these people are invading on. And so if a, a group of people that size were to approach the U.S. border, it really is an issue of, you know, calling on militias, calling on uh, the United States National Guard, U.S. Army National Guard, et cetera, et cetera, Air Force National Guard. Um, also calling, th- this is what happened in Ferguson when, the night before Ferguson, it was like two days before the Ferguson verdict was to be announced. Uh, Governor at the time, Jay Nixon, actually activated the National Guard and they called in as a part of their activation. They called in National Guard troops from the region because we didn't have enough National Guard troops here in Missouri to take care of it. So we had twelve hundred National Guard troops staying in hotels across uh, the St. Louis city and county area. 
And they were brought in because if the rioting were to be outside of Ferguson, if it were to have spread and be in a number of different areas, we don't have the police force to cover, to give full coverage to, you know, six or seven different riot areas in the city or in the county. And so they would have deployed the National Guard and they were standing by and ready to do that. Now, why he didn't deploy them to stop the burning of Ferguson is a totally other conversation. And I did cover it at the time on the radio. But the point is that we have a number of means of at our disposal. Not only do we have the largest standing army in the world, but we also have the largest number of private individuals who are armed and trained in firearms in the world. So the idea that we just have to help these people because we have no other choice, we're already helping them. The, these are lies that you're being fed. And you have to stop that. You do not accept when people are lying to you. When you are being lied to and you accept it, you are having your mind numbed down. Accepting lies as truth and refusing to push back on them actually takes away from your ability to be wise in other areas. It can make you foolish in other areas if you just simply say, you know what? I, I mean, what else can we do? We have to help these people. No, we don't have to do anything. Well, uh, we don't have to do anything. I stay permanently tanned and pay my taxes and that's it. That's what we have to do. You have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But even that you don't have to do. Even God gives us a choice to say, you know what? I'm just not going to love my neighbor as myself. Now you're going to hell, but I mean, you, you at least have the choice. It's your choice. We don't have to help anybody. We're already helping everybody in their grandma. We don't have to accept a migrant horde invading our country just because they happen to be from South America, because they happen to be from groups of people that are highly revered and respected for their voting potential by the Democrats. Yeah, I said it. We don't have to help them just because they're future Democrat constituencies. So Gomert went on to talk about how FBI Director Comey shared info on Middle Eastern infiltration of caravans. And the reason why this clip is important is because he's quoting someone that at the time said he was a Republican. But I bet you, you know, I bet you 10 shiny dimes he never was. And Comey, who says he's one of the most honest people in, in whoever worked in government, another ball faced lie. Comey said this back when he had nothing to gain from it, when President Obama was in charge and there were migrant hordes coming to our border then. And he said, the problem is the FBI has investigated and found that there are Middle Eastern individuals who want to do harm in this country, people who want to come here and do terror. They're in amongst the migrants. And nobody questioned it when he said it. It's number three. There's nothing unconstitutional or illegal about the president doing what Woodrow Wilson did, put uh, tens of thousands of people on the border and make sure nobody forces their way in. And, I, you know, you were talking about coming through ports of entry. The president's got to close the border until this threat is over because it is a threat. And we know from a former FBI director named Comey, perhaps you remember him, uh, he talked about people sneaking in trying to blend in with Hispanics when they were from the Middle East. And, of course, I had people make fun of me, but they didn't point out the fact I was quoting the FBI director. So we know this is a tactic. We know it's gone on. We know it continues to go on. And it's, it, you can't deal with it other than to just stop the whole group. You have to stop it. it. This is one of those watershed moments. And 
I, I dare say it was a watershed moment the first time a caravan made it to our shores and, and went on through when they made it to our southern border. And the second time and the third time. But have you not heard that now there's a second horde of individuals who have gathered up because there's safety in numbers and they want to travel up to the border? I, so this isn't this isn't an issue of, well, we just need to think about what we should do for that. This is an ongoing, ever-increasing in severity type of problem that has to be addressed now. And the fact that the Democrats have ginned this thing up, and, and I actually was yesterday and over the weekend when I was thinking about the horde, you know how you get your little, the, the little internal voice that says, you know, this is obviously another, this is the late October surprise by the Democrats. And I, I actually said to myself, you know what? You should be ashamed of yourself because even the Democrats wouldn't stoop to paying people to basically assault our southern border because people might get hurt. Well, you know, my little inner voice was clearly wrong because apparently that's exactly what's going on. Now, I would have said George Soros, sure, he's the destroyer of economies. He's, a, he's, he's an individual who he has absolutely no moral center. He has no problem hollowing out the middle class in Great Britain. I mean, if he can make money on something, he's going to do it. And so for him to be involved in it, not a big deal. But for elected Democrats to help mount an incursion against our southern border? That silence you hear is me just, I just can't, I just can't believe they would do that. I just, sorry, I just think it's, it's low even for them. So we have all of this going on, right? Um, And Louis Gohmert comes back with this one last comment. He says, we're closing the border. And he's right that we should close it because a closed border really hurts Mexico. And I'm going to give you some more information about that right after this. It's number four. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, what what is the remedy here? Well, I think I have to respond by saying the president's exactly right. And and when he, if you recall, he would declare this is an emergency. And in emergency situations, he has as additional powers. But he doesn't even need those powers to stop an invasion coming across and just say, we're closing the border, Mexico, until you disperse all of these people and do not allow them to come to our border. So Mexico's going to help. And I'm sure the drug cartels are hoping to force this issue, but they're going to find out we have a very strong president, not a weak-kneed guy that's afraid of offending people because he understands his job is to protecting the American people. And that's what you can expect well, President Trump to do. Well, so well, the only way to deal with it is say we're closing yeah. the border. And that, in my opinion, is the way to deal with it, because once the border is closed, there's a few things that happen. First of all, um, the the there are billions of dollars in economic, you know, transactions going on across the southern border lawfully every single month. Just so much money going back and forth. People traveling um back and forth with goods and and importing and exporting, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reason it's so important that we close the border is because once the border is closed, then anyone who crosses over, it's it's a totally different ballgame. So we've got the group swelling to 7,000, according to uh, Department and Health, uh, 
Department of Homeland Security. And DHS is also warning of infiltration by transnational criminal groups. They're saying that the caravan, the horde of migrants originated in Honduras nearly two weeks ago. And they're estimating that 7,000 strong. There's a second one. The migrants have traveled even either by bus or on foot through Honduras, Guatemala. Now they are in Mexico and they're trying their, their goal is to use the northern border of Mexico to infiltrate the United States. The majority of the migrants are saying that they're fleeing violence, political instability and the poor economic conditions. But, you know, they don't care about our laws. And they actually turned violent when they were denied entry into Mexico and the photographs are online of the Mexican police who tried to stop them from coming through. They were beaten, bloodied. Um, Really, these people got violent on them quick, and they were in uniform. They were in riot gear. So they don't even know how many people, private citizens and law enforcement officers, were wounded by the migrants' rush to violence. Now, Mexico did eventually restore order and end the surge, but a huge portion of these invaders uh, redirected their efforts into crossing the Suchate River, which separates the two nations. They swam, they floated across on rafts, and many of the migrants were able to reach Tapachula, Mexico, which is a city approximately 23 miles north of the Guatemalan border. Now, they've started setting up temporary encampments across the city, and, you know, you have to say, well, what is Me- Mexico's role in this? Do they really want to stop it? Well, Mexico's new incoming government that's just recently been elected, um, they have taken a policy, during, especially during the campaign, that they would be much easier on migrants. They say they're people, they deserve our respect, and they deserve our help, and we need to treat them kindly. Well, that's one thing, treating them kindly in their country. It's another thing for them to allow people to come through who they know have the express intent of violating their northern, northern border and coming into our country. And what we should do is we should declare that any of the individuals in the caravan who cross over into our border, that it's an act of war on behalf of Mexico. Cancel the the trade agreement we just made with them. Shut down the factories in their country. We employ 1.1 million of their citizens with our American jobs. We build the factory in their country. We employ their citizens. Put it all on the line. If any of the migrants are allowed to access our southern border, not only will we close the border, we will stop all remittances into Mexico and we will shut down every factory that's currently operating there. If we were to say that, they would change their minds about letting them through. They would actually deploy their military. Oh, I can tell you they would in a heartbeat because when money's on the line, that's how you get people to listen. Transnational criminal organizations have also infiltrated the migrant horde. It's an invasion. It needs to be stopped. We have the mechanism with which to do it without firing a shot. We'll be back with more after this. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Are you a worrier? Is fear a constant companion? Well, there's a solution for that. It's prayer and scripture memorization. It has become vogue to cattily mock people who pray. The mockers have no understanding of God. Just a few of God's attributes describe him as our high tower, refuge, holy, alpha and omega, hope of glory, day star, and bright hope. These descriptors are a comfort to the believer. God is right here and operating on our behalf. 
Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fear has no place in the life of a believer, but as humans, we will experience fear. Psalm 19 tells us that memorizing scripture makes us wise while refreshing the soul. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Netflix continues to ignore the outcry about 13 Reasons Why. The American Family Association, along with Parents Television Council and several other pro-family groups, have reached out to the streaming service, urging the cancellation of their program. Netflix has not even responded to our letter. Instead, they released an even more vile Season 2 and are producing Season 3. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings says their program is engaging and that it fosters discussion of taboo topics like suicide and sexual assault. But at what cost? 14-year-old Anna Bright and several other teens have committed suicide after watching the show. Hastings calls our objections propaganda. Does he feel the profitability of his company is worth more than the lives damaged or lost because of his show? Please sign our petition to Netflix, learn more, and share our action alert when you visit afa.net. And pray Reed Hastings will recognize the dangers of 13 Reasons Why. From America's election headquarters. The Texas State Fair draws a diverse crowd and they bring their diverse opinions about November 6th with them. I'm hoping that Beto will win. I think Cruz is going to win it. The U.S. Senate race playing out between Republican incumbent Senator Ted Cruz and his Democratic challenger, Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Virtually every voter, and not just here in Texas, have identified a top issue they want fixed. I think our health care is in a horrible state. I'm not for the Obamacare. I think that needs to be cut. Cruz supported repealing and replacing the Affordable Care Act. O'Rourke proposes universal health care and the expansion of Medicaid. Congressman O'Rourke is proposing socialized medicine. All you've heard from Senator Cruz is what we should be afraid of. Some voters say they do have fear just trying to make ends meet. You worked all your life, you know, and then you have a pension and you have the Social Security and that still doesn't take care of you. Casey Stiegel, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. On everything. I think people are going to be voting on the mob rule of the Democratic Party. If you elect Democrats to run the House, you know exactly what you're going to get. They're going to try and impeach the president, impeach uh, Kavanaugh. They don't care about your wallet. They just want to get in your wallet. If you keep Republicans in charge, we're going to keep the economy moving forward. We're going to secure our border. We're going to deal with our enemies throughout the world. We're going to rebuild our military. Uh, Kavanaugh, to me, was a despicable episode in the history of the Senate. These caravans will never be stopped by Nancy Pelosi. And when it comes to standing up to uh, the world, you need a strong leader like President Trump. And the Democratic Party has showed us what they would do with power. Uh, not much for you. A lot for the left. Wow. So um, that was Senator Lindsey Graham. And he says he's talking about the mob rule of the country. And that is a huge thing right now. I, I, I'm so happy that over the weekend, uh, Mitch McConnell and his wife were not run out of a diner. They were in a small diner and four big burly men came over and snatched their leftovers. They were sitting eating and they had finished and their food was still sitting there, the leftover food. They snatched their food away from them and threw it. And then they started screaming at them about Medicare. 
and other people in the restaurant, you can see it, it's on TMZ. And so other people in the restaurant, it was specifically, you can see a lady, she starts gesturing with her hands and she's like, get out of here, leave them alone. Boo, don't, you, you can't yell at them, let them eat in peace. Now, this woman is sitting at a table with a bunch of other people, I'm assuming like her husband or some close friends or family or whatever, because there's a bunch of adults sitting there. And she and the other people who were sitting nearby basically yelled at these guys. And the main ringleader turns around. He looks at them. He says, they deserve confrontation. They want to take away our Medicare. She said, I don't care. They deserve to be able to eat. Let them eat. You leave. You leave. You don't like them being here. You leave. You get out. Leave them alone. And the four big burly guys had to go ahead and get to step in. That's the way it's supposed to happen. So when you hear Lindsey Graham talking about that, he's referring to what we're seeing across the country, which is people taking Maxine's suggestions to heart. Old Maxine Waters said, don't let them be in public. Tell them you're not welcome here. And then when she had people protesting her, she was like, I'm, I've angered people, but I'm not going to stop talking and telling the truth. It's not telling the truth to incite violence against people when they're in their private spaces. Protest is, does not include running people out of public spaces. So let me give you a little more information here. Um, Louis Gohmert has also called for a RICO probe into uh, who is paying for the Honduras migrant caravan. Now, over here on TheBlaze.com, they say that it's actually a Honduran political stunt organized by a leftist group that has ties to former Marxist president who was exiled after a coup in 2009. He never got over being ousted, and they've been doing political stunts ever since to make the current right-wing government look bad. Now, if the caravan is stopped in Mexico, it could actually help the GOP come November 6th. And I, that's what I think this, this again goes to, and I know I've said this before, but you know how many people listen to the show on a sporadic basis, and I don't want anyone to miss this point. It is a biblical precept that if you set a trap for your neighbor, your enemy, your this, your that, that boulder that you set to roll down on them is going to roll down on you. The trap you set for them will catch and ensnare you. You cannot take matters into your own hands and say, well, you know what? I'm going to just get me some revenge or I'm going to put that person in their place. That's not how the kingdom works. And whether or not you believe you're in the kingdom is irrelevant. The kingdom is here. We're, we're, we're all in it. And God's word is true, whether you're a sinner or a saint. And what they're doing here is they're trying to set this trap so that they can mobilize Hispanic voters and stuff like that. But what they're not thinking about is if you're in this country lawfully and you're Hispanic, you could be for illegal immigration, but most lawful immigrants to this country are not for illegal immigration because they had to go through the process themselves and they feel like, well, if I did it and if I made it through the process and I paid all the money and did all the different things, why can't you? You're making us look bad. We're here lawfully and we, we're Americans now. We love our relatives that are back in the home country and we send them, you know, and we may wave the Mexican flag, but we're Americans now. We belong to this country and it belongs to us. So the unintended consequence of this is that, you know, everyone's counting on on the left. They're counting on Donald Trump handling this improperly. I'm counting on him handling it properly. There are more than enough laws and regulations that cover this type of thing. It's not the first time anybody thought they were going to roll up on America. We, we have things we can do. We don't have to kill anybody, but we don't have to let not one stray foot set on American soil. Not one of them should be permitted to enter this country. I don't care if they're claiming refugee status from the third moon, from the eighth galaxy from here. I don't care where they came from or what their reasoning is. No one who passes lawful 
refugee centers and uh, the, the consulates that actually accept, if you want to apply to be a refugee to the United States, we have a number of those in Mexico, the southern part of Mexico, to handle Hondurans and Guatemalans who come into Mexico who say, well, we couldn't find our way. Here's a, Me- here's a center right here in Mexico. You go in and you apply, and then you wait to see if you get refugee status. You don't have to come and storm the southern border of the United States. It's, it's teaching time. It's time for lessons to be taught at the southern border. And it's far overdue, way overdue. So he talks about, um, in, the, in this piece, because I have a couple of these, I have like five or six of these stories here with information on this. One of the suppositions is that George Soros, the hedge fund leftist billionaire of chaos who vowed to shell out $500 million for migrants a few years back, is actually funding this. Or is it Chavista Venezuelan oil money, given that Chavista stated that a desire to flood America with indigent migrants? Um, and this is since Hugo Chavez taunted the U.S. over bo- the border in the 2000s. The Chavista ties of the caravan's front group organizers, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, as well as its known Chavez supporting Honduran ringleaders, is rather obvious, right? So we know someone's paying for it because the migrants are leaving vast troves of trash as they move through Mexico. They're climbing aboard prearranged and paid for trucks to travel, and the trucks are expensive. If this caravan has a couple thousand miles to go, Why did they leave all this stuff that they would need to survive? Did you see that hefty stroller? What parent would leave a stroller and make a choice to carry their kid 2,000 miles? They wouldn't. We know that they're not poor. Throwing away $389 strollers is one thing, but you have to be able to buy a $389 stroller. In the caravan invasion, hashtag, this is a tweet from at KDB93, In the hashtag caravan invasion featuring a Graco modes jogger stroller retail value $389 hashtag immigration reform hashtag caravan. Uh, Yeah, here's another one. A thousand dollar stroller. Here's a tweet from EJ Michaels. I wonder where she got that thousand dollar stroller the same place they got all their cell phones I guess they hate our president but hey we all got free stuff and that's what they want. Hashtag invasion illegal invasion hashtag build a wall hashtag send them back. So expensive strollers, but what is most expensive is the cost of all of these migrants and their children will incur for the U.S. because we'll have to educate them, feed them, house them, medicate them, lawyer them, police them, jail them, and everything else migrants get in their vast benefit packages once in. Gavin Newsom, who's currently running for governor of California, vows that anyone who comes to this country illegally is going to get free health care in California. And they drive down the wages for people with the permanent tan like me. They drive down the wages for the people who have the latte tan, the people of Hispanic origin, the people who are currently at the bottom of the ladder trying to work their way up and climb from one economic strata to the next. And those people will have to battle these people because they'll be here. They'll be willing to work for 50 cents a day. They'll be willing to work for anything they can get because they're, they know they can get paid. So getting paid here a dollar a day is better than earning $6 a day back in Honduras only to have some warlord steal it from you when you get done earning it. Especially if you're living for free. If you're in Section 8 housing and the government's paying for your apartment, they're giving you a food stamp card that you can go to Aldi and buy all the food you want. You don't need to work for much. You just need to work for enough for your incidentals. Anything that your your food stamps won't cover. This is a racket. So... 
one thing I think is another unintended consequence from this whole story is that the liberals haven't considered that if if a, a horde of migrants is able to get to the southern border and walk across and there's nothing we can do about it because we don't want the bad optics of firing on, you know, unarmed individuals with kids in their midst, then what other option is there but for America to build a wall post haste? I kind of feel like the story is so unbelievable, but then again, it is believable after watching the Democrats' behavior during the Kavanaugh hearings, after watching and watching and watching and seeing what they're really made of, how they're now openly calling for regular people to be violently assaulted and thrown out of restaurants and have their own food thrown in their faces, drinks dumped on them, have grown men punching and kicking women because they don't have, they're holding a sign they don't like. If this is who they really are, then it's no shock that they're employing a tactic that will absolutely guarantee that most Americans who think a wall is kind of like declassé, those Americans will be the ones, the main ones signing on for the wall. They'll be the main ones turning out to vote for Republicans so they can get the wall. I'm sorry if you can hear our crazy dog barking because the doorbell rang, but this is broadcasting from home. Bentley! So... What we need to do is we need to deploy the Army National Guard to the border. And the media will be there. They'll be filming the National Guard and the U.S. Border Patrol agents dressed in riot gear. And we will be seeing pictures snapped of people showing off their rubber bullet bruises. And it'll all be about ginning up this hatred of Donald Trump, the one who's doing this to them. And I guarantee you when that happens, they're going to think that it's going to make Republicans look bad, but it's not. It's not going to make us look bad. It's going to make them look bad because they're the ones who brought the migrant horde. They're the ones who put these people's lives in danger. They're the ones who brought an invasion force to our border. We have got to be smarter than what we're being basically forced into right now. So now I want to talk about a little bit of that violence. Um, The violence that's going on. So you've got this this ridiculous story about a boulder being thrown through the wall, the window of uh, Representative McCarthy's office window. He literally, it Republicans across the country are having their um, their offices firebomb. They're having vandalism done to their offices. Now a giant boulder has gone through Representative McCarthy's office window. And this is, again, the extending of this activity by Maxine Waters, where she's literally saying, you know what? Take it to them. Take it to the streets. It's Eric Holder saying, when they go low, kick them. And people who don't think clearly, people who obviously didn't make it through the keep your hands and feet to yourself phase in high school or elementary school or preschool, because remember, we were taught to keep our hands and feet to ourselves and not destroy other people's property back in preschool. That's when I learned. It, I wasn't in high school when I learned I need to keep my hands and feet to myself. So we're seeing this happening because individuals who have not had that training are listening to Maxine Waters and Eric Holder and even Hillary Clinton saying civility is when we're in charge. They're listening to that and they're like, you know what? They're right. We need to take this to the streets. We don't have power and we deserve it. But they don't deserve power. People who have no proven track record of results do not deserve power. And if you want an example of what Democrats want to bring to every suburban area in the country, 
You have only to look in the inner cities of America and don't look at inner cities that are thriving that may happen to be. There's like three or four that are run by Republicans. Most of them are run by Democrats. So if you look at the inner city of St. Louis, you find rampant crime, poverty, death hotspots where shootings happen on the regular during turf wars over the ability to deal drugs. And if you go to other cities where they have sanctuary city status, you'll find illegal immigrants and MS-13 operating with impunity on the streets of the cities of America run by the Democrats. You'll find the tax base is depleted and you'll find individuals with their teeth gritted living there because either they don't think they have any other options or they really don't have options because they're they have, you know, marginalized credit or, or they're not making enough money to move to a nicer area. Whatever the case may be, the Democrats are always in charge. And they're always promising that if they could just get one more tax increase, they would fix things for you. If we could just get the Republicans to agree to Medicaid for all, we could fix the crime. If we could just figure out a way for the Republicans to get the taxes up higher and get some more tax base, then we could fix your inner city schools. We could totally fix them then when the reality is these single parent households where one parent doesn't pay any attention and the other one hasn't been seen in five years those are poverty-stricken homes where kids are coming from there and they, they haven't been taught anything. Kids who haven't been taught how to sit still for five minutes, let alone 55 minutes. Kids who cannot read on grade level. They're headed towards dropoutville and their parents are not concerned because they dropped out of high school. They dropped out of uh, you know eighth grade, middle school, et cetera. These people want to be in charge of the suburbs and turn suburban areas that are profitable and beautiful to live in into the same kind of pits that the inner cities are. Good, kind, honest, hardworking people who live in the inner city deserve to have the same kinds of amenities and safety that we have in the suburbs, but they keep electing Democrats and that's why they don't have it. All of these are symptoms of foolishness run amok and one party rule. And if the Democrats are in charge, They'll open up our southern border and that one horde will be 20 hordes and it will never end. God bless you from the heartland. Have a fantastic night. Be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.